Today marks the beginning of a new segment here on Growing Beyond. It's either going to be called I'm Having All the Feelings or I guess I could call it uh, I'm a Human, Damn It. I haven't yet decided, but today the topic is going to be hospice work and what I see happening at work. I work uh, as a massage therapist for hospice and do massage for people who are dying. And um, the experiences that I've had there, I don't know why my voice is cracking. I'm having all the feelings. (laughs) The experiences that I've had there since I started last year are so surreal uh, and profound that I'm going to have to write them down at some point. But for now, I just had so much to relay about the effect of COVID. And I feel like there's a lot to say regarding how we view death, what we prioritize as a culture. Um, And so I just wanted to lay some things out and let's see how it goes. I'm having all the feelings. Here's why there's trauma with what we're going through or one reason why. This experience of going through the pandemic has shown us evidence that we live in a consumer-driven culture based increasingly on what we buy, what we sell, and how we spend. And it's glaringly obvious. Commerce needs to continue. Businesses need to stay open. But in the meantime, death and birth and emotional and mental health, connection, family, and education are somewhere further down the line in terms of need. And many of us feel like something is way off, but it's not entirely up to us what happens in our own lives. And so we're left with this feeling of powerlessness and a sense that our values aren't lining up with the values of the decision makers. We end up feeling like the others and are noticing as well that many of our friends and family seem just fine with going along with values that feel wrong to us. We're breaking apart from our cultural identity in order to find our inner vision. Who are we at our root? Who am I at my root? And it doesn't always match up with what we are being asked to conform to in our larger cultural environment. This isn't new or novel, but it is happening in such a big way that it can feel like we are losing many things at once. Our friends and family, who might not see things the same, our idealism, our sense of sameness with the people around us, our belonging to the leaders who are supposed to represent our interests. In what hierarchy of values does it make sense that people cannot gain entrance? to sit with dying loved ones on their deathbeds. Or that their social workers, the dying people's social workers and ministers, cannot come in a building and sit with them as they die. When you can leave the building and go to the grocery store or get on an airplane, death is the biggest event of their lives after birth. And in an effort to prevent death, this event from happening, we're destroying the sanctity of it. 
And it isn't just a, well, blame COVID situation. People make these decisions about whether you can enter a building to be with someone who's dying or in the last few weeks of their life. Viruses don't make decisions. People make decisions. And I haven't shared this, I don't think, on this podcast, but in the work that I do, there's a wide range of what facilities, nursing homes, assisted living centers, there's a wide range with what they're doing right now. And some of them are completely locked down, not allowing any entry from hospice, no entry from families, no entry from outside nurses, no entry from the massage therapists, the priests, the spiritual care workers and chaplains, the social workers, the music therapists. No one's gaining access to these patients as they die, except for the people that work in the facility. And it's criminal. Criminal that these people, the families of the people dying, cannot be with the people that they love, who they have lived their lives with. Other facilities are allowing entry as long as protective gear is donned. And we're not just talking cloth masks like that you would wear to the grocery store. We're talking masks, goggles, face shields, sometimes gowns, gloves. But they understand the importance. The people that are, that, that are residents in these facilities, it's their home. That's where they live. It's, you know, where they experience the, their lives up until the point where they die. And keeping them in their room on total isolation and lockdown, I had some patients say to me that they felt they were prisoners. Having them eat in their room without, without any real physical, emotional, spiritual, social contact, except through Zoom, at the time in your life where you're getting ready to leave the planet, it's unfathomable. It's cruel. And it's been traumatic to witness. I can't imagine what it's been like to go through. And it makes me think about the parallel experience that in some ways when birth is supported and a mother's experience is validated as she's having it, it's validated. She's seen. Her needs are heard. She's given choices within those essential moments. She knows that some things will be beyond her control, but she's held up to a certain consciousness in the room that she's seen. It enables her to own her experience later rather than be deeply traumatized by something that didn't feel like it belonged to her. And part of the tragedy of allowing the dying to die alone is that their experience will carry trauma with it. The relationships they have cultivated for their entire lives, the ones that really matter, these are the ones that are often addressed on their deathbed. I love you. I forgive you. I know you love me. You are right with your God. It's okay to let go. You did good. And to abandon them and take away their right to connect during those final days or weeks or moments to take away their right to a blessing or to hold their son or daughter's hands or to be forgiven, to be loved and cherished and held in their last breath. It's unforgivable. 
And what does it say about us? Who needs to be paying attention to this and why aren't they? One of the doctors at a local hospital spoke of going into his administrator's office multiple times a week to beg them for family members to have access to dying loved ones. Another family attempted to climb into a facility window breaking in to be with the person they loved because they were at the end of their life. It's harsh to witness someone wasting away or losing their cognizance or sense of self to be massaging someone's feet and have them hear, have them say, is it cold outside? Nine or 10 times in 30 minutes and to see someone at a different, does it not noticing that they're undressed or that there's food on their face or worse, that maybe seeing their mind is still alert, but their body's giving out to see hair falling out and pain that doesn't ease up or go away, muscles wasted, skin fragile, back bent over permanently. The state of some lives as they lead to death is so painful to observe that much of my time outside work is emotionally processing the time I spend at work. I don't know if it's the right job for me, but it's giving me a hell of a lot to think about. Because what comes out of people when they are losing someone who means something to them, the caretaking, the tenderness, the acceptance and loving touch, the fresh flannel sheets and pictures of grandchildren displayed all over the room, the daily phone calls, the changing diapers, the playing their favorite music, the care that happens for these people. It shows me so completely that what is left at the end is who we are to each other, what we mean to one another. It's easy to forget amidst the anger and resentments and complications of challenging lives. The essence of these words we call each other by, mother, dad, friend, daughter, son. Husband, wife. The chatter of our minds matters less when you realize you won't hear this person's voice again. Their hands will be gone. Whatever you believe about the spiritual life that comes after, their chapter of walking the planet is over. And with it, something falls to you. Their stories, the story of who they were, who they are to you. I experienced this when my dad died. No matter how many times my dad was insensitive or inaccessible, he was my only dad. He cared for me when I was too young to do it for myself. He made me laugh and taught me how to throw a ball. I would hold his hands and he'd lift me up. Those were the same hands I held when he died. I watched him take his last breath and felt the pressure in the room shift as his life essence exited the room. He died. And I was there. And I can't really imagine how often I would still be seeking closure had I not been able to be there to watch him as he took his last breath. Something transferred to me in that moment. There was a different kind of ownership of the experience of our relationship. I could forgive myself a little bit 
and I could forgive him a little bit. To see him in that state of vulnerability and to see myself so deeply caring that he was comfortable, that he had what he needed, despite all the years of anger, all the years of resentment and not seeing eye to eye, that moment and the way that we experienced each other then was so deeply healing and transformative that to take that from anyone, virus or not, there are ways to be in the room with people that are safe. And it's cruel to take that from people and in its place offer them some trauma of being denied access to the people that deserve their company as they journey on. We don't know where we go when we die. There are stories of people witnessing their own deaths, stories of people seeing bright lights hovering over their bodies. Part of the crushing hardship of being a human is when we feel bigger than our bodies, more powerful. We feel there are solutions within us for the things we struggle with. There's a mighty giant in each of us. It's true. And the helplessness of death, the end of life, realities that sometimes lead up to it are brutal. Being able to offer your heart to someone who is dying and in exchange feel their heart regardless of whether they can say words back to you as you're speaking to them. It gives us a sense of our true power, that giant within us, the love, the forgiveness. I forgive you. I love you. I know that you love me. Giving someone that, offering them that, Letting them feel your presence in the room. It's critical. And as a culture, are we not evolved enough now to see what really matters? Yeah, it matters. You can go to the grocery store and buy oranges and bananas and cream cheese and bagels. It matters that you're able to go to the gym and still work out, or get in an Uber. Does it not matter as much that you can't get into the room to be with someone that needs you there? I don't know who I'm pleading with right now, but this has been on my mind since this whole thing started. I might have future episodes where I share more of, without revealing any information, of course, about the specific people that I see, I might want to share some more thoughts about this. But for now, thanks for listening. Take care. Be with the ones that matter to you. And know that it matters that you're with them. Thanks for listening. If you want to support 
this podcast or any of the other podcasts I do, Solving Everything and Meditate Elevate, go to patreon.com, Solving Everything.